Namaskar and welcome to NFL Masala. I'm your co-host Anant. And I'm your other co-host Rakshak. Welcome to the 16th, the sweet 16th episode of NFL Masala, where we talk about all the latest happenings in the NFL with a little bit of spice. So today, we are going to recap probably the most chaotic week one of any regular season of the NFL that I've ever seen so far. Yeah, dude, it's like an understatement. For those that have watched week one, if you have fantasy football ready... Oh my God, don't even get me started on that. You're ill-prepared. Freaking Tom Brady lost me a game because he stunk against the Cowboys. And you want to even know something crazier? I was leading by like nine points on my ESPN fantasy, but then my opponent had Russell Wilson, the Broncos kicker, <laughs> and DK Metcalf. I Yikes. got Yikes. spanked. Yikes. And, and even with Josh Allen as my starter. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no! I was terrible. about to I was about to use one of those league trash talks, but good lord! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lead the way. <clears throat> yeah, so let's get started with some Hamakeda news. We're going to keep it short so we can move right on to the NF, uh, the regular season recap of Week One. So the first bit of news is that Rodrigo Blankenship or Nerd Kicker, uh, because he has glasses, he wears glasses all the time. Uh, hey, don't be hanging Don't be Yeah, I know. No, 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 no. I'm a fellow nerd myself because I wear glasses too. But we got to point it out because he's probably like the only one in the NFL who wears it. So that's like his nickname, you know? Nerd or goggles. Anyways, he was waived by the Colts after um, several missed opportunities at winning the game. So... I can see why they uh, released him, but still, uh, do you have other, like better options? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. I mean, this is still a pretty big deal because he was a pretty reliable kicker last year too, which is when he was drafted, I believe. Um, so, yeah, it's just a bit surprising to see somebody let go after one game, you know? All hey. kickers except Justin Tucker have bad games. So wait, I wouldn't say I would say the same thing. Like Jake Elliott did not have a bad game because he did not miss. Jake Elliott's my Eagles kicker. So by the way, exactly. There you go. There you go. But he's not the greatest of all time. So yeah, we should give them more opportunities. Anyways, that is I will let you be with that one. I will let you be with that one. I give you that. All right. <laughs> all right. What's next, Rakshak? All right, and speaking of kickers, this is actually relevant for um, for the upcoming game. I would consider this to be like a big major injury report. So, um, according to um, Adam, according to ESPN today at three twenty four Eastern Standard Time, Chiefs Kansas City Chiefs kicker Harrison Butker will not play in the Thursday night football game against the, the LA Chargers because of that ankle injury. And at the meantime. The Chargers will be without starting wide receiver Keelan, Keenan Allen, who suffered a hamstring injury in the, in the Chargers' victory over the Las Vegas Raiders. So, this is very, very huge. Because the Chiefs miss out their best kicker, although they have to rely on safety Justin Reed to do the kicking, 
And oh my God, did you see Justin Reed's leg I on saw, that? One? I saw I saw that video, dude. What it is was, this? I have how no did, idea. How did the like, Chiefs luck into this man? Like this is <laughs> this is very South looked so familiar because um I, I remember my, in the 2017-2018 season where the Eagles won the had a Super Bowl winning season. The Eagles were facing against the Cowboys. Jake Elliott got injured, so they had to rely on Kamu Grushe Hill, the linebacker who was with the Eagles back then, to to do the kicks. I mean, just to do the kickoffs. And because they didn't have a kicker, they all they just Doug Peterson decided to go for two almost every single time they scored, and it worked out well. But um, yeah, the Chiefs did sign um former New York kick, Jets kicker Matt Amendola to their practice squad, so he could be elevated. But the um, but also the major one of the major injuries that we see is um Keelan Allen, who which is very very unfortunate for the Chargers because with that you the only targets that you have for Justin Herbert, DeAndre Carter, Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer. And more snaps and more opportunities for Mike Williams and Austin Eckler. So it's going to be very, very limited. And what's even um, going to be tough for the Chargers is that they're also going to be without JC Jackson, um, who's officially questionable since he's walking in a boot. So that's the big news. Dang, that's rough. And there goes my fantasy team without uh, Keenan Allen. So yay. Now on to the next bit of news. Um, speaking of the Packers, we lost Chris Barnes to injured reserve. He was our third string, uh, well, not third string, but third uh, inside linebacker. And he, you know, is pretty integral, not just on the defense, but also on special teams where, uh, you know, people would argue that he is more integral on the special teams than on the defense because we have Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker. But he is now going to miss at least four games when uh, because he is now on injured reserve. And that means that is it, it has opened up a spot for us to promote offensive tackle Caleb Jones from the practice squad to the active 53-man roster. And uh, this is also because, as I'm going to mention later on in our recap, our offensive line needed help, especially if both David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins might not be able to make it for Sunday Night Football. So, you know, we'll just have to see. But the big news for now is that Chris Barnes is now going to be on injured reserve and he's going to miss at least the next four games, meaning he will be eligible to return to our main roster when we face off against the Jets or uh, against the Giants the following week uh, in London. So, yeah, there we have it. What's next? This story is has to deal with the quote-unquote America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Lay it on. So, if you all remember the Sunday night game in which the Buc- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Cowboys 19-3, to everyone thought it was going to be, oh, it's a primetime game. Why? Because it's Tom Brady versus the Dallas Cowboys. And we all know the story. It was one of those, the one of the most boring Sunday night games I had watched in a long time. I can also count... The Super Bowl, which had the Rams and the Patriots, in which I literally had to 
literally asked um, one of the guys, one of the people in the sports bar for a cup of coffee during that game. Um, that's for a later story. And yes, it was actually true because it was so boring. But um, anyway, one significant injury was um, in the fourth quarter, Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott suffered an injury to his thumb. And this was, um, his hand was hit twice by Shaq Barrett. And he went to the sideline because he could no longer grip the ball. And he had sur- uh, and he had to have surgery on his right thumb Monday afternoon. And sources continue to believe that he would miss six to eight weeks as he goes to rehab. Um, you know, it's the same injury that Russell Wilson suffered, right, Anand? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, six to eight weeks. But, you, you, but here, uh, Anand, you got to hear this. You want to know what the real kicker was? Mm-hmm. Jerry Jones comes up, um, I believe it was either yesterday or today or today. He said that, yeah, Dak, Pres- not, Dak Prescott's not going to be on IR. Hmm. And he's going to be available in the fourth, like the earliest week, like probably week four, or week five, which is against the Rams for the Eagles. I'm like, yeah. what? What are you doing? What? I mean, that means the Cowboys are going to be how to figure out how to win with Cooper Rush, who is their backup quarterback. And they're going to be facing against an angry Cincinnati Bengals team. And Anant, I, I believe um, we'll be getting more onto that recap, correct? Mm-hmm. And with this, and with my second point of news, I have to lay the Kachira moment. And I want to create this award called Trash Bag Award. The Trash Bag Award is a very prestigious honor in NFL Masala. It involves a disgusting event or a disgusting play. And it's kind of like the walk of shame or a brown paper bag moment because it is so atrocious. And I award this to the Cowboys fans. There was one video in which after the injury with Prescott, as he's running back to the locker room to get x-rays on it, there was one fan video recorded in which people were throwing, fans were throwing garbage on Prescott as he's running to the field. You want to talk about disrespect? You want to talk about classless fans? There is your example in 2022. I mean, you're calling out on your QB for doing that. And for me, for me personally, to Dak Prescott, hope you hope you get better, man, because with Eagles Cowboys, I want to see I want to see players go up against players at 100%, not with injuries and backups. And it's unfortunate. And but the fact that that Cowboys fans are doing this throwing this kind of crap on on at their own QB and you call us Eagles fans to be classes and you're going to bring up memories of throwing batteries and snowballs at Santa and having a jail cell at the old veteran stadium before you do talk about such, such stuff like that look into the mirror what y'all did to what well, I mean there may this may be to like some fans that threw it through through that stuff at Prescott but you don't do that it's disgusting and I don't like it, and that and y'all are classes. So I award you the trash bag of the day, trash can award of the day for that. Perfectly said. I 100% agree with you. However bad your team performs, you just cannot, you know, disrespect them like that. Especially a class act like Dak Prescott. Okay, he's no Deshaun Watson. Okay, Dak Prescott is a wonderful human being and he went out with an injury it's not like he threw for five interceptions or something like that he went out with an injury so on top of that 
you Cowboys fans, I mean, there's there's a reason why I have a strong distaste. Not for all of them. There are some Cowboys fans that I know who would never do this. But it's instances like this which really, you know, induce a sense of hatred for me uh, towards the mention of Cowboys and Cowboys Nation and all of that. And there's a reason why a lot of people don't like the Cowboys and especially the Cowboys fans. It's because of stuff like this. So, you know, just shame on you for this. Shame, shame, shame. Like Game of Thrones. I will ring a bell and start ringing the shame one. Anyway, exactly. let's move on. Let's move on. Yep. I don't want to about this. Wow. <laughs> exactly. About the worst team in American football history right now. Wow. Okay, let's calm down. Let's calm down. They're not that bad. What? They're most like classless. One. Okay, most most classless. Yes, the worst team. Uh, there, there's a team up in New York that can beg to differ. But anyways, let's move on to week one recap. So. We are going to first start with how our teams performed, and then we're going to do a recap of the games of the week that we picked out, uh, one game from each of us. And then we're going to, so we're going to introduce a new segment called Punch Minutes. Um, and that means five minutes in, uh, in English for any, any of you guys who don't know Hindi. So, that is going to be a five-minute recap of all the other matchups split between conferences. Um, so Rakshak is going to take all of the home team NFC matchups, almost all of the home team NFC matchups, and I'm going to take all, almost all of the home team AFC matchups. <clears throat> and we're going to spend about five minutes total to talk about each of those games. After that, we're going to finish up finish off with the masala moment of the week and this is just going to be a spectacular play that we each saw and we're going to pick one play different uh from each other because then it doesn't make sense to talk about the same thing you know so yeah so let's get started and i'll get started with my packers the pressure from the defense was pretty good there was a stat from PFF where it said that the Packers defense pressured Kirk Cousins on about 43% of all offensive snaps. So, you know, you know, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and especially Kenny Clark, big boy Kenny Clark was, you know, as I mentioned in our preview, I wanted Kenny Clark to be up in Kirk Cousins' face and he was for, you know, a, a significant part of the Vikings offensive snaps. But that's where it stops because the secondary, oh boy, I don't know if it was, I don't think it's a talent because we have very talented man coverage corners and uh, pretty good safeties. But this was not a top five defense performance. Why did we not have Jair Alexander locking down Justin Jefferson. JJ went off for his career high of 184 yards against us. And it's not like it was 20, you know, 10-yard passes. 
it was the deep bombs. He was there was one play where he got you know seventy five yards, and I think it was the touchdown uh, pass where he was so wide open. There was not a single yellow and white uniform within ten yards of him. He was sandwiched in between the linebackers and the safeties. He, oh he, my god! They were playing terrible zone defense, and he got into the zone so wide open that even Jamarcus Russell would probably make that throw. Oh god! You're bringing up Jamarcus Russell. That's how bad it was. Oh, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know who Jamarcus Russell was, um, back, lo- long time back in the NFL draft, he was supposed to be one of the, the top QB prospects, and he is what we would call a first round uh, a draft bust because he didn't perform well for the Raiders. Yeah, he he goes down as you know one of the most storied draft busts busts in NFL history. You know, it's. Very significant, but that's that's the story on him. It was that bad for that play and for another play where he was totally wide open. And so it's just infuriating because now I guess we don't have to worry about the Vikings offense because as long as JJ is running fee, they're going to be scoring, you know? He scored 184, he, he got 184 yards against us. Jair Alexander was on him maybe one or two snaps. And the one snap that he was on, he locked him down. He used the sideline as a as a help. And he actually drew an offensive PI penalty from Justin Jefferson. But other than those plays, we had one play where Preston Smith was covering Justin Jefferson. Even though it was zone defense, Preston Smith was lined up against, uh, you know, across um Justin Jefferson and dude I mean it's just it's sad we can we cannot be a top 5 defense if we let somebody like this run rough shot all over us we don't have uh, zone coverage corners we have man coverage corners that's oh, what man. I said in our that's that's what I said exactly in our preview play man coverage play press man you know, have Jair lock down Justin Jefferson, have Rasul lock down Adam Thielen, and then use Eric Stokes in other ways. Have the other wide receivers beat you. Dalvin Cook wasn't going to beat us because we have a pretty strong D line, and we did uh, we did see that. You know, Dalvin Cook was not the issue. Justin Jefferson is the issue. So why don't we make a game plan against him? Come on, this can't be that hard. You had three months to figure this out, and for all the people that said. The Vikings didn't practice in the preseason. Okay. The Chiefs did. Did you see what happened? They scored 44 points. Patrick Mahomes had a completely new offense, uh, offensive you know, weaponry to deal with. Yeah, he had Travis Kelsey. But still, Patrick Mahomes threw for five touchdowns. He was unstoppable. And yeah, you are going to say that it's the Cardinals' defense. And the Cardinals' defense is probably not the Vikings' defense. But man, we had three months to figure out a game plan against the Vikings' defense. 
We had three months, at least on the offensive side. On the defensive side, yeah, I can get it because the Vikings have a completely new offensive head coach. They have completely different schemes that they were running. And we did see that, right? They were they were running, they were using Justin Jefferson in different ways that he oh, wasn't yeah. used in previous years. Yeah. He was running, he was he he was motioned all across the field. He wasn't strictly running on the outside. You know, they moved him in the inside, they moved him in the slot, they were motioning him across. So it was really tough to um, you know, capture him. And uh, that's how in the zone defense he got like wide open because we were trying to play a defense that allowed us to keep the big plays limited because everything would be in front of us and we would have fast linebackers and, you know, the linebackers would, you know, would, um, even though they might be in their zones, they're capable enough to attack the ball, you know, but unfortunately either the defensive play calling was terrible or situational awareness was terrible or scheme just didn't make sense. I don't have that much of a football knowledge to, to, um, you know, tell Joe Barry, obviously I'm just a random podcaster. Joe Barry's an actual NFL defensive coach. So, you know, but like I have eyes, I know what I saw and it wasn't working. Oh my God. And what's even worse is that they doubled down and they said, Oh, you know, if we had, if we focused solely on Justin Jefferson, we would have to change our entire defensive scheme. So be it. We cannot. This cannot be a history where we come out of prolonged breaks as the Packers, right? Let's just take the past two years for example. Week one, what happened? We were smoked by the Saints, thirty-eight to three. And that was like under right. Jameis Winston, who was starting yeah, last year. Okay, what happened after our? I mean, y'all went yeah. to the y'all won the NFC North, and you guys also that's, made it to the divisional round. No, 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 no. That's not the issue. That's not the okay. issue. I, no. I know that we I know that we bounced back, but the issue is why do we start off slow? Right. The issue is why do we start off slow? Okay, last year. You know, we weren't that. Uh, we got smoked in in the um, uh, against New Orleans, right? First week of the season. Why is it? Why can't we be, be prepared? Okay, it's just infuriating to see. Um, and then obviously against San Francisco in the divisional round, we had a break. We couldn't beat the 49ers, even though we had multiple opportunities, right? Okay, after the bye week last year, we did beat the Chicago Bears 45 to 30. That's great. But that's because they're a divisional opponent, so we had some tape beforehand, right? We had played the uh, the Bears before, and so at least we were prepared on that. Right. Right. But you look the previous year, we lost to Tampa Bay after the bye week. Remember? Oh. And then exactly. And then we lost to Tampa Bay uh in in the conference match, but we cannot have a history where after the past three years, three games that we play after long breaks, we lose. We cannot have that and expect us to be a Super Bowl team if if we cannot prepare for games against tough opponents when we have a long break. And so that's why my take is, 
why didn't the number one offense practice in the preseason, at least for like one or two drives, just to get some some semblance of like real-time NFL game, you know? Even even if the preseason is just, you know, uh, some basic coverages and stuff like that, at least you'll have more experience as to how the NFL is going to go, especially for the rookie wide receivers, right? At least get them, especially for the rookie wide receivers, at least get adjusted to how Aaron Rodgers is going to play in a regular season in an actual NFL game. Because practices can only help you so much if you're not in a live action game getting beat down by your opponents who have, you know, all the motivation to um, to bring you down, right? Why can't we? Why it would help? It would help the um, and you know, Rogers was saying on the. Rogers was saying on the um, Pat McAfee show that uh, you know what I'm just gonna skip this. I'm I'm just gonna say yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just gonna say we should be more prepared um, when we're facing a team after a long hiatus. You know whether it's whether it's the first week of the pre whether it's the first week of the season or after a bye week. Or in the playoffs after we have a, a bye week, you know, and we play in the divisional game or something like that. It's it's just infuriating as you know Packers fans to just see us almost consistently lose uh, every time we we have to play a tough opponent after a break. And then, you know, at least you know a positive note on the offense. AJ Dillon is a grown man. Okay, he was legitimately willing. He was willing um, the uh, the Packers into positive momentum, especially in the third and the fourth quarter. So at least that was good news. Uh, and one more thing on the uh, Packers offense. You know, the offensive line, we have to be better in protecting Aaron Rodgers because the offensive line situation is is very precarious for us, right? We have our starting two tackles down. We with David Bakhtiari, he's still recovering from his ACL. It's a very tough injury for him, and so you know all, all the luck to him for recovering. Elton Jenkins is still recovering from his injury, and then we go out, and then we have instead of having Zach Tom come in, or at least uh, early in the game. When we still had a semblance of um, of, of coming back, we had Jake Hansen. We had Josh Myers um, as our starting center. Elton Jenkins was out, so we had um, Newman come in, and then we had Nyman be left tackle, and then John Runyon. Right uh, now, John Runyon is potentially out with a concussion, so we're going to have to have Zach Tom and uh, Royce Newman now, and then Caleb Jones now. Thank God, at least we have him. So our our offensive line depth becomes really scarce when David Bakker and Elton Jenkins go down. And even though we have pretty decent depth, it's we okay. We just need to not have Jake Hansen because he didn't play well. He got bull rushed by Zadarius Smith, and on one time, Zadarius Smith literally rush bull rushed him uh, Hansen right into Aaron Rodgers' face, and so. 
Oh my God. Yeah. That, so that, um, no. that that's that's not good. That's not good. But I'm gonna end off on a positive note. Aaron Rodgers, man. Speaking of getting up in uh, Zadarius Smith's face, so <laughs> Aaron Rodgers in the third quarter. This was a, a masala moment of the week for us. He they were running a reverse sweep, so basically tossing the uh, tossing the football to one of the wide receivers who was sweeping back from the other direction, and this wide receiver was Romeo Dubs. And so Aaron Rodgers tossed the ball to him. Romeo Dubs is running, and Aaron Rodgers is like, "All right, I'm up." I'm going to F this man up with uh, Zadarius Smith. So Aaron Rodgers ran, and he almost blindside blocked Zadarius Smith. Well, <laughs> 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 you got to watch the video. But, like, Aaron Rodgers kind of stumbled I... down because Zadarius Smith is, like, a bigger human being than Aaron Rodgers. But still, uh, Aaron Rodgers is, like, trying to get back up. And then he gets back up, and he gets into, like, Zadarius Smith's face. Zadarius Smith is kind of, like, surprised. But, man, what a masala moment. Like, that was the spark of brightness for us because Aaron Rodgers is, like, F you. I'm going to stick by my man instead of you know, leaving. <laughs> Just I, like Brett Favre. The, I, I think I remember seeing the play like that. This was like before they scored, before the Packers scored, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but yeah. I think this was in the third quarter. So third quarter. Maybe we didn't score. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, that that, that was the play. That was just – My uh, God. That was, that was fantastic. And, and you know what? I have to tell you this because of what I saw, and I think I remember seeing the video. Anand, Aaron Rodgers is a grown man. Yes, sir, he is. He's a grown man. And I just want to end off on that play. And uh, now on to the Eagles. Yes, well, yes. Um, I mean, hopefully the Packers can rebound for next week. And, um, hey, there's one thing, there's one positive that you can take. Jalen Rager was not on the field. <laughs> Except for yeah, the, at least that yeah. At least except for that. I do remember, but there was like one punt return where he returned it for like what seven yards. So Vikings have fun with him. Exactly. We don't miss him. Exactly. But now for the Eagles and the Lions, you would assume with the, all the hard knocks and with the Eagles, the new offseason, the new offseason acquisitions, and like oh my god, this roster looks so much better on paper, right? What do you think the score was, Anand? It's so, um, like 40 to nothing. You would think so. The final score was 38 to 35. Yes. 38 to 35. If you were living in an alternate universe and you saw that score, like in part of my French, but what the hell did the Eagles do? But so with that, let me get to a couple of points. AJ Brown is a grown man. His performance, like, it was amazing. Like he had, he finished off with like one of the most receiving yards ever by an Eagle in his debut. I mean, catching 10 out of 13 targets for 155 yards, yet he couldn't find the end zone. Hey, hey I kind of get it. And this, this guy is an absolute stud because every time, like when Jalen Hurts was in trouble, you could see that AJ Brown was um, was all was is that go-to physical receiver that Hertz was able to get bailed out, and the physicality by AJ Brown. Like there's this one play which I consider the Eagles Masala moment of the day of that game. Is this was a two-minute drill? Um, the Lions scored, and the, the Eagles had the ball. What Jalen Hurts does next 
is the crazy set of events. He throws a 54-yard bomb to A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown catches it, and then he drags a defender on his back to pick up extra yardage. And he, which is like, dude, like that guy's a freak of nature. And why, uh, why did the Titans ever trade, <laughs> trade their best target? Lol, Titans. And then, and then like, he was also known for like catching passes, like over in the middle to rack, rack up yards after catch. He also ran the outlaw that Hurts loves to throw to him. And good. And you know what? To any team that's trying to, all teams that are trying to cover it. To, they're facing us. Good luck trying to cover AJ Brown. You're gonna need it. And AJ Brown is a grown man and a big receiver. But on the side, I would like to see a little bit more pass distribution um, from for the other targets like in Dallas Goddard, Zach Pascal, Quez Watkins, and even Devontae Smith. My boy Devontae Smith only got four targets with zero receptions. He had like one catch, which was nullified by an offensive holding call. So. You need, so I think like it's good that Hurts that Jalen Hurts has a um has a go to wide receiver for like that can help him that can bail him out for any trouble, but he needs to work better with his distribution of passes. And in continuing on with the offense, the running game, like what brought the Eagles a lot more success was the running game, rushing for 216 yards and having not only Miles Sanders. Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott scoring touchdowns along with Hertz, relying relying on his legs. That is freaking impressive. Keeping up that run game helps helps this offense. That's how they were that's how they were able to make make it to the playoffs. And you're and you should be able to run against developing defenses like the Lions. And continuing on with offense, Jalen Hurts, he did play well under pressure. But there were a lot of pre-snap notions that he failed um, that he failed to work with. Um, especially, there were like a lot of penalties with like delay of games, um, false starts. That needs to be cleaned up. But having but going into like a packed four field um, Detroit stadium, throwing 18 for 32 passes, 243 yards, and one inter- and with no interceptions nor touchdowns. It's all right, but you could do a little bit better with the passing. And and like and I have to say, welcome back, Miles Sanders. You finally broke that touch that that um not able to score touchdown of thirteen games or plus streak. He was able to I mean, this is the Miles Sanders that we want to see, the one who wants to prove himself that he can that he can't stay healthy. He can make the big plays with his with his legs. He can score touchdowns. Miles Sanders, Hurts, Gainwell, and Scott again, all four of them scoring touchdowns and it, and it, and the offense looking really well. However, and the offensive line um, looked a little bit shaky against that Detroit against that Detroit um, pass rush, and and it was and I think I almost saw like Aiden Hutchinson almost get too close to Hurts, but Hurts was able to use his legs. And now switching over to the defense, this is where I get really really upset. What the hell are you doing, defense? You are allowed, like, when you're having a lead of, what, 31 to 14, 31, like, thir- it, I, I don't know how to express this frustration, the 31 to 14, and you allow 
the Lions to score 21 points back to back to back to make it 38-35. Congratulations, Jonathan Gannon. No, scratch that. What the hell? You allowed guys like DeAndre Swift and and Jamal Williams to rush for over 180 yards and the three of them to score three touchdowns. And and uh, and some of the reasons which never which amazes me is why in the world is Jonathan Gannon playing playing zone defense? I mean, and some of the plays like we talk, I talked about this in my preview. If you if the Eagles defense was able to pressure Jared Goff like pressure and put some blitzes, Jared Goff plays like a headless chicken. This is a quote from Brandon Lee Gowden of as of SB Nation's Bleeding Green Nation, the SB Nation's home for the Philadelphia Eagles. They're like, that running game was so attack, and you're putting like your star players like Hassan Reddick out of place. That's why they're, he's getting gassed a lot. Oh, and, and there was one stat, which I found out, that really angered me a lot. Anand, you want to know something really strange? What? There was one stat in which... Like, as I mentioned, the Lions rushed for over 180 yards. DeAndre Swift had 144 yards and one touchdown. He rushed. And the Eagles are supposed to be strong against the run. And would one of, and apparently there's a stat, according to um, Shane Half, who, is, who, who, is an, who works with sports analysts. Did you know, Anand, that the Eagles allowed 2.9 yards per carry when Jordan Davis, the Eagles' first-round pick, was on the field? Did you know that? No, I didn't. That was surprising. You want to know who, what, what the stats are when he's off the field? Like five? No, 10 yards per carry. Yo, that's sad. Yeah, but there were some key moments. I saw Jonathan Gannon, yes, the same Jonathan Gannon that we Eagles fans now collectively hate at the moment. When he brought pressure, Jared Goff was the headless chicken. As a matter of fact... The headless chicken was pressured in one play, um, uh, and I think this was one of the biggest difference makers. Um, he was trying to throw about to uh, throw a pass to one of the Titans, I believe it was T.J. Hawkinson or um, or D.J. Chark. I wasn't sure which one. However, the new signing Kaiser White, one of the linebackers, tips the ball, and James Bradbury intercepts it and runs for a pick six. And the cool thing is PFF marked James Bradbury down for one allowed reception for 13 yards and a 39.6 passer rating, along with that pick six. And that 27-yard return was the second longest he had right, right behind this long of 29 in 2018. So awesome job, James Bradbury and Kaiser White. That was um, – and Kaiser White, he is a great – he does well in coverage, although he had like missed ta- – although he had like two missed tackles. And – also, credit to Marcus Epps, um, the safety for the Eagles. He dished out some big hits, and he, and including a tackle for a loss. And he led the team with a total of eight, 10 total tackles, eight solos. Um, and although he did allow one touchdown, which was to uh, Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown. And um, I think this was like, this. you have to give credit to the Lions. And Darius Slay, he basically locked down some of the receivers. But the placement of what Gannon was doing with his zone defense... Like, literally allowed the Lions to come back and give us Eagles fans a heart attack. 
honest, like when I was watching this game, I was like yelling at the TV, screaming, what in the hell are you doing, Ganon? This, like, you cannot allow these type of plays to ever happen, especially with a mediocre guy, mediocre quarterback, Jared Goff. You cannot do the same thing against next week against the Vikings. Like, you literally cannot. And and from based on what we saw against the Packers, this is like literally game tape that the Eagles need to watch. And Gannon, I'm calling your butt out on NFL Masala right now. If you cannot get your act together, I bet a big Fangio can do a better job than you. And I'm all up for it. Like, these type of things frustrate me. But there were a couple of good things I saw on special teams. And I want to give a shout out to the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, Zach McPherson, um, who was a third-round pick of last year's draft, and, a bull, and, and my man from Texas Tech University. He, um, there was one play in which the Lions tried to pull off a surprise onside kick. However, Zach, McPher- however, um, Zach McPherson was able to catch it and, and recovered for the Eagles to start at the Lions 49 yards. And five plays later, the Birds scored a touchdown to make it 38-21. And with that, he's doing pretty well on special teams. Hopefully, I'd like to see him on the field. And Britton Covey, um, the UDFA, the, the, the undrafted free agent who's, who's helping with special teams as a punt returner, he looks very comfortable. And, um, and you know what? This is amazing. I think this, this has been good. But, but like, honestly, like, some of the stats, like what Jonathan Gannon did, really, really infuriate infuriates infuriates me you allowed 35 point 35 points allowed uh and you've allowed like literally what 5.8 yards per play nine converted third downs on 14 tries plus one for one on fourth down are you freaking kidding me eagles like uh, what what do you got to say about that man i'm like and you I'm so I can get so frustrated with this team on defense. I can't I can't really say anything because I saw that same level of frustration with you on the Packers. So I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Yeah, and like literally, it got so bad that Jalen Hurts himself that they that 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 the team had to that the offense had to rely on Jalen Hurts to um to win this game, and he had to use his legs. And had he not go, gone and get that fourth down conversion, I honestly thought the Lions could have won this game. That's how close and scary it was. You cannot do this to me, Eagles. Like, I ha- like I'm 30 years old, my guy, and I'm trying to I'm trying to have a healthy life, have a great future, and of course support my Eagles. But you cannot give me games with heart attacks like this. Honestly, for the love of God, stop doing this to me. <laughs> anyway, Eagles defense, you have to step up. That's all that I have to say on this one. Yeah, awesome take. Now on to our games of the week. We're going to try and wrap this up even more because, boy, did we talk a lot about our teams. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's keep on going. In terms of the Chiefs versus Cardinals, you know, for Chiefs fans, no worries if Tyreek isn't there because they still managed to put up 44 points. (laughs) 44 points. Probably because, you know, the Chiefs offense – Played in the preseason, meaning the wide receivers got real game <laughs> connections and built up their chemistry 
with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so why can't we do this, Val Fleur? Why? I'm going to lose my voice if I continue this. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I mean, it's just like, yeah, it, 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 we probably would have expected them to be a closer game, but Patrick Mahomes became Mahomes and the Chiefs became the Chiefs and they just routed an inferior opponent, which is what is supposed to happen. But yeah, um, not just on the offense. The Kansas City defense has also got the pressures to prove their acquisitions, especially um, the draft pick acquisition of George Karloftis. He played a significant portion. And I also saw some really good coverage from their CBs, uh, especially nice breakups on on critical uh, downs, like third downs and second downs. Where you know Kyle, it was a passing situation, but their CBs made sure that they were there. They broke up the passes and made sure that it wasn't successful. So that defense is pretty underrated. And if that defense can at least be a top 15 defense, maybe even a top 10 defense, we'll see if uh, once they play tougher opponents, like next week against the Chargers or like the Thursday against the Chargers, if they can maintain that same. Uh, influence that they got versus the Cardinals. Let's see. Because if they can, then watch out. I don't think the Chiefs are going to let go of their division anytime soon. But um, that's enough for the Chiefs versus the Cardinals. I don't really have anything positive about them because it really didn't seem it. Yeah, they did score touchdowns, but man, they got routed. That was oh, yeah. largely in like, <laughs> that was largely garbage time. Because what did they do? For the first couple of quarters, the Cardinals only scored seven points in the first three quarters. They only scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter when it was all but over, you know? So it's just really, it's really sad. Cardinals still haven't figured out their offense yet. It was still very perplexing to see their offense. I don't know if it's Kyler Murray or if it's, you know, not him not doing his homework or... (laughs) (laughs) Him not communicating with Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe Cliff Kingsbury's scheme needs to be better. Who knows? But, like, this has to be fixed. And, oh, my God, dude, Card's O-line is atrocious. It was terrible. If we were to take a look at their box score. Yeah, I'm seeing the box score right now. Like Three sacks, right, already? uh, It was was not good. It was not good. Oh, my God. While Patrick Mahomes wasn't sacked at all. He wasn't sacked at all. He was 30 for 39, 360 (laughs) yards, five touchdowns. Like, I don't think you can get any better in that performance. And even the rushing game was on point. Isaiah Pacheco had 12 carries for 62 yards and one touchdown. So that's an average of 5.2 yards. The next guy, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, had a 6.0 average. Jarek McKinnon on four carries had 5.5 average. Like, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It was terrible. <laughs> and you know what? I have to I have to give one shout out. I wanna I wanna give a special shout out to Clyde Edwards Hilaire for giving me two touchdowns on fantasy. You are mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. It was it was terrible to watch. It was terrible. Yeah, and they um, had to like switch the game for a more competitive game, and you'll yeah, get to later. <laughs> CBS literally switched it out in the fourth quarter to play the the Chargers and the Raiders. Like, man, if that is proof that that was a blowout, I don't know what is. 
Yeah, it was sad. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it from the from that game. What about yours? Yeah, and like with the Bills and Rams, we which was the very first game to kick off with the NFL season. And one thing I have to tell you about, man, my experience at a um on Thursday, I decided to go to this one pub in Albany near my area, and did you, and I did not know how passionate Bills Mafia is. I was like literally surrounded by Bills Mafia while myself wearing an Eagles hat. That's, I mean, I, I, I mean, you got those guys are really passionate. That's one thing I'll have to throw out and. And honestly, the first half looked pretty even with Josh, like with Josh Allen and that wonderful drive. And then some team and both teams making mistakes, ten to ten. But then, Anand, did you see jo- that stiff arm Josh Allen sent, like that sent um, Nick Scott to the turf, thir- turf on a third down play? Did you see that play, dude? He wasn't sent to the turf. He was sent to the netherworld. <laughs> No, the it was shadow a stiff arm from hell. And apparently, it drew so much like stiff, like co- comparisons to Derrick Henry and the Titans. And ironically, the the Bills are going to be playing the Titans next week, so <laughs> that'll be very very fun to watch. And oh my God, the Buffalo defense—they literally went to they abused the Rams O line and attacked Stafford all day. And you want to? And I give the sole architect of that guy to Von Miller. Von Miller is by hands like a cheat code. He's like a little walking cheat code. Literally everywhere. He was like everywhere on the field making play after play after play. Like you saw some highlights, right? From like how effective Von Miller was. And the way that he was able to help with that Buffalo defense. Sacking Matt Stafford seven times. And forcing three picks. I mean, Josh Allen didn't have a perfect game either. 26 for 31. Three touchdowns, two interceptions, and two sacks. But good lord, that Buffalo defense is so so much better. And and of course, like back to Josh Allen, the offense was a little bit shaky. But then when he started relying more on the run, the Allen-led offense was able to dominate the second half completely, scoring 21 unanswered points. And some beautiful plays that I saw. There was a Huge bomb. I don't know how long that went. It was like what? Um, it was a like near the end of the game, nine minutes and twenty five seconds left to go. Josh Allen throws a fifty three yard bomb to Stephon Diggs, and like he smoked Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey wanted to talk all of that, uh, all of that stuff, thing like, huh? Stephon Diggs is I'm better than Stephon Diggs. Well, son, you got smoked. You may have to rethink another career, man. And in terms of like the LA, when I mentioned like one of the strengths that LA needed to rely more on was the run game. You want to know how many times they run, how many yards they rushed for? Let's see, sixty minus eight of that number. Oh, fifty-two yards. Fifty-two total? yards. Oh my god. Daryl Henderson. No, the asterisk number one running back was Daryl Henderson. Thirteen yards for four. No, thirteen carries for forty-seven yards. The longest was an 18-yarder, and like, and, and but like in terms of receiving, Cooper Cup is so dominant. 13 receptions, 120 yards, 128 yards, one touchdown out of 15 targets. I mean, the guy, the, the guy, like, he's definitely the number one receiver, and he's always going to progress. But 
where the hell was Allen Robinson? Like, did you, uh, like, I didn't even know he was playing on the Rams. Did you know that? No, apparently not. Yeah. I, we only saw him for like very few plays, one reception for 12, for 12 yards. And you moved out of Chicago right now. Like, Sean McVay, what are you doing, man? Where's your run? Where, where's the running game? And the rest of the off, and, and of course, the rest of your offensive weapons like Tyler Higby, Ben Schwar, um, Scour, Neck. Man, I can't spell, I can't pronounce it today, but <laughs> where the hell is the rest of your offense other than Cooper Cup? If the, I mean, if Buffalo's going to shut off one and keep on pressure, who, where are you going to throw to? Like, honestly, that's the overall thing I thought. It was a curb stomping. Mm-hmm. It was that. Speaking, that. Uh, speaking of rushing, right? I just have one thing to add. Yeah. Sean McVay and Les Need. Maybe instead of getting all these splash players like Bobby Wagner and Allen Robinson, develop some O-linemen who can actually run block and pass protect. Yeah. I would think, you know what, I it, it like um I would actually send um if we can start a go Anand, you and I, we should have NFL Masala start a GoFundMe to get like a cloning machine. <laughs> yeah. Find Andrew Whitworth oh, and clone him over <laughs> ten or fifteen times exactly. and give him as your offense as your O line for the LA Rams. Instead of the LA Rams, name it the LA Andrew Whitworth because that's what yeah. you're off. The Whitworth. Instead of being like a billion dollar, hundred year legacy family, they're a bunch of alignments. They're a yeah. family of alignments. That's what the, that's what LA Rams need. And you know what? This is for Stan Kroenke. I know, like, you're a really rich owner. You own, like, you own the Rams. You, you even own my favorite English Premier League team, Arsenal, and um, and some other teams. You have a lot of money. Start the cloning business. I guarantee you, it's gonna work. That's all I have with the Bills and the Rams. What a curb uh, stump and what a stiff arm. Yeah, yeah. All righty. Now on to the punch minute segment. Let's go. Speaking from my side, let's get started with the Steelers at the Bengals. Bengals, goddamn, finish the game, Bengals. Like, come on. <laughs> you had so many opportunities, but you just, like, shattered away on interceptions and blocked extra point kicks. Like, this is a recap of the Bengals and Packers game last year. You cannot do this. And also, Steelers, I feel sorry for you that TJ Watt is out. We'll see how his injury goes, but man, your season is gone. Next, Colts at Texans. I legit could say the same thing about the Colts as the Bengals. These teams don't know how to finish games. Sure, the kicker missed the game-winning field goal, but like the offense also has to take some blame here. You cannot go an entire overtime quarter and not score a field goal against the Texans. Granted, the Texans' defense played pretty well, but if the Colts want to be playoff contenders like they think they are, they have to win these games. One small thing I wanted to add about that Colts-Texans game. That scoreline was just tied. There's a phrase in football, like, in, like um, that is said in like football. A tie game is the same thing as kissing your sister. This is a kissing your sister type of game right there. Dang, yeah. There you go. Next game, Pats at Dolphins. Dolphins looked really solid, especially with the addition of Tyreek Hill. Tua looks pretty manageable. Let's see him play a couple more road games before we summarily judge him. Also, Pats. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it. 
Greatest coach in NFL history can't win in Miami since the 2016 season, boy. Five straight losses in Miami. Shots fired. <laughs> Next game, Ravens versus Jets. The Jets are just going to keep being the Jets. You know, they have an injury to the offensive lineman again, and they just keep being the Jets. Joe Flacco ain't it. Like, that's not what you want to put out on the field. And Lamar is saying, like, give me the money. What a beautiful bomb from Lamar to Rashad Bateman for that 55-yard touchdown. Like, that was an NFL Masala moment. Next game. Yeah, you need to see the highlight. It was beautiful. It was a perfect pass. Next game, Giants at Titans. Titans, really? You lose on a missed field goal after allowing a two-point conversion when you had Barkley in the backfield and you don't use Derrick Henry properly in short yardage situations and opt for a tight end, a jet sweep. It was third and one. They didn't use Derrick Henry. They used a tight end jet, she- uh, de- jet sweep. You want to ring the shame bell? Here shame. 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 Good Lord. And you lose to the, I mean, Giants, I could see some improvement, but oh my God, like this is shameful. This is a bad day for kickers, like literally. (laughs) Yes. Next game, Raiders at Chargers. Devontae Adams, how's that new Hall of Famer QB? QB treating you, Devontae. I'm also uh, silently crying because he still had more receiving yards than all of our wide receivers combined. But in all seriousness, for the Raiders to succeed, the chemistry between Carr and Tay still needs to bubble before it can win games. Last game, Broncos at Sea Chickens. Bro, what the heck happened here? Okay. Oh, my God. I Why, <laughs> Hackett, explain the utter dumbassery that was displayed here in the last two minutes, huh? Come on. Like, literally, this is how it went. Broncos on third and 14 make, have a play that gets them to fourth and five with 111 on the game clock. Okay? Broncos line up to go for it, but the clock is still running. Yeah, with I saw that. the clock still like... running. Right, it was at fifty seconds, and Peyton Manning on the Manning cast, which is what I was uh, watching. Yeah, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, and Shannon Sharp were all there, and they were like, "Dude, take the timeout." Peyton Manning's literally like calling the timeout in the chair as it hit like fifty, forty-five seconds. The clock is still running. They break the huddle at around twenty-five <laughs> seconds left on the clock. Both the both the Mannings and Shannon Sharp were like, "Okay, fine, they're gonna kick now." Okay, then they called the timeout at twenty seconds. Then they line up for the 64-yard field, 64-yard field goal, and they miss it. So the Sea Chickens get the ball. Now the Sea Chickens go to kneel the game, but the Broncos called the timeout, which wastes about another minute because the refs were trying to figure out why they called the timeout. Like the the, the assistant referee that was near uh, Hackett was like, okay, are you calling a timeout? He's like, yes, I'm calling a timeout. So at 15 seconds left. The chickens kneel again. At 13 seconds, like Broncos called the last time out, and then chickens kneel the game, and the game is finished. Like, oh my God, what? They shot themselves in the foot. Uh, not even like 
Okay, yeah, they lost 17-16, and they probably could have won if they had made a field goal before. Like, any one of those fumbles, the two fumbles that happened, if they don't go for it on fourth and goal on, on one of those fumbles and they kick a field goal, they probably win the game. But still, like, come on. You paid Russell, uh, Russell Wilson $260 million. You don't give it to him on fourth and five? Like, mm, that, was, that was terrible. Now, for the Sea Chickens. This doesn't mean that the Sea Chickens are back, okay? I still think that they have the power and the magic of week one behind them to mess up the Broncos, okay? Let's calm down on the Geno Smith MVP train, all right? <laughs> let's calm down. And that is it for my punch minutes. Next. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, like that game, when I was watching the highlights, I was like, what is going on? Like, this is like full, this is like pre-Andy Reid. There's one thing that um, urinating tree said: never go full read. Nathaniel Hackett went full read with clock management. Like honestly, it was so bad. Now, for five minutes, Bills at Cardinals. For the Bills at the Rams, I think we already saw this. It turned into a complete beatdown in the second half. It started with the Josh Allen stiff arm from hell, and the Buffalo's defense wrecked the Matthew Stafford oh, the the O line and. Matthew Stafford seven times and and the Bills won 31 to 10 handedly. Chiefs at the Cardinals 44-21. I think that Patrick Mahomes proves that he's the better Texas Tech guy. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> and Kyler Murray looked off. I mean, as you mentioned before, they had to literally cut off commercial when they after those two touchdowns. They switched channels and then they scored like two garbage touchdowns. You know what that means? Kyler Murray did not do his homework. And again, for the and and I think like another recap this beautifully. No Tyree kill, no problem. Just keep up, just throw five touchdowns to Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and even Nico Hardman. Saints at the Falcons. Anant, I would like to report a pandemic that's happening in Week One. <laughs> this is another case of game-winning attempt, kick attempts gone wrong. And and you know it's even more crazier. The Falcons blew a first-half lead again. Where have we seen this before? <laughs> 28-3? Literally eight other times in the past, like, six years. <laughs> yeah. And don't forget, <laughs> one time they had to face the Lions, and they accidentally scored a touchdown in a yeah, line. Like, oh, it's, man. A, it's an epidemic in Atlanta. Continue. It's an epidemic. Like, you, you need to call not the CDC. You need FEMA. You need, like, the Atlanta. Like the um, the Georgia Department of Emergency Services help this help this choking problem out. There, it's like so bad. You need, well, the, you need the FBI to investigate why they're choking so badly. Uh, should we Arthur send a blank? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continue. All right, but then again, like Jameis Winston had apparently led a comeback, which is shocking. In, in, in all my views. And, and I also want to give a shout out to Michael Thomas. Welcome back to the NFL. Had scoring two touchdowns on your return. And I did see Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry get involved. But, and Jarvis Landry, seven receptions, 114 yards. Michael Thomas, five for 57, two touchdowns. And Chris Olave, three, three targets for 41 yards. That's good for the Saints, but bad for my Eagles because that draft pick is going lower and lower. So Saints, I need you to lose to next week. Browns and Panthers. No revenge game for Baker Mayfield in the, this attempted comeback. There was a lot of ref ball that I saw. Like, there were so many penalties that were happening, and Baker Mayfield got sacked by that Browns defense. Like, four times for 28 yards. Like, I saw, like, Miles Garrett getting involved. 
I saw Jadavion Clowney getting involved. I got some tong- uh, another Tongi eye. Miles Garrett had two sacks. Like it was pretty bad. And like Baker Mayfield tried to will, tried to um, let that offense to 17 points in the fourth quarter, but it wasn't enough. Cade York actually with, hits a game winner. So and again, credit to the Browns run rushing running backs of rushing over 217 yards. Nick Chubb 141 yards. Kareem Hunt 46 yards and a t- and a touchdown. 49ers said Bears. Anand, we agree that along with FedEx Field, Soldier Field is so bad with turf. Oh, yeah. It was looked, I didn't even know what was going on. I was like, I saw splash, splash, splash. Both quarterbacks were so horrible. Justin Fields, even though you had seven out of 17 attempts, you had eight complete, you threw eight completions for 121 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. You are still not good enough. I mean, Matt Aberfuss, good job. You won your first debut game. And Trey Lance looked completely off. He was 13 for 28, 164 yards. Like, good Lord. I'm going to throw this out. If Trey Lance doesn't develop and Jimmy G is injured still, this is basically a future tank bowl that I'm seeing. Chicago, even though you won, you won in spite of Justin Fields, <laughs> in my point of view. And But hey, you know, congratulations to Matt Eberflus and the Chicago defense in, in getting the win. Next, Jaguars at the Washington football team. This was the quote-unquote revenge game between Carson Wentz and, former, and Doug Peterson. Why? Because they, they used to be in the same team with my Super Bowl team, the Philadelphia Eagles, back in 2017-2018. Quote-unquote. Carson Wentz, you, look, you still look average. And if I were to check the box score, 27 for 41, 313 yards passing. Yeah, great. Four touchdowns and two back-to-back interceptions. Yeah, that's still not good. And Trevor Lawrence, he looked completely lost. But hey, Christian Kirk, that the, the crazy deal that shocked the free agency. Six receptions for 117 yards, but out of 12 targets. Man, someone got me catching. But one thing I could say is that this um, combination of Josh Dobson, Terry McLaurin, um, Curtis Samuel, and yes, and Antonio Gibson, who is a running back, it does keep this offense complimentary. So, I mean, this is like average at best, but it's not going to be everything. And last but not least, Anand, I want to talk about this game very much with you, my man. I saved a lo- I think I saved a lot of time for this. You want to know, Anand? I have one phrase to tell you. How about them Not them cowboys? cowboys. <laughs> oh, man. It was so beautiful. It's always so great. It, no, you know what? Every day should be a national holiday when the cowboys lose. America rejoices, right? Especially in Arlington. Especially in Arlington. <laughs> I mean, Tom Brady didn't look so well. What, 18 for 27, 212 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But, man... I have to give credit to the Cowboys' defense for holding the Buccaneers to nine, to like what, four field goals and like not allowing a touchdown until the third quarter. That's impressive. And there was one play which I have to talk about. I think you've seen this clip. The ball's hiked. Tom Brady's stepping to throw back. As he's about to throw it, Micah Parsons rushing from the edge to tackle Brady at that weak side. Guess what happens next? Fournette comes out of nowhere and like, Pancake blocks Parsons to the ground. <laughs> it was... yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I saw that. The 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 almost like blindside. Like it. Yeah, it was a terrible block. But yeah, 
It was a terrible, but oh my God, Micah Parsons went to the ground. I, me as an Eagles fan, I enjoy it. And of course, during the fourth quarter, we also we saw the Dak Prescott injury and how classless that, how classless these nauseating fans from Arlington, Texas, can be, or even in the un, entire United States of America. And yes, I'm talking to you, Dallas Cowboys fans, with all those Super Bowl hypes that you have. You are 0-1. Your team didn't even score a freaking touchdown you guys deserve to be last place in the nfc east yes the eagles the giants the commanders all won what all won games you didn't you got nothing but yourself to look in the mirror with all those false hopes and i also give blame to jerry jones he does not know how to construct a team at all you mentioned beautifully in the nfc east breakdown about Hey, they lost to Mari Cooper. They lost um, Randy Gregory. They lost Lyle Collins. What did they do to, to get them back? You signed mediocre guys like James Washington, who's now on IR. You didn't even activate Jalen Tolbert for that game. You didn't even give more reps for Cavante Turpin, that, that USFL um, kick returner who's now with the Cowboys. You, you talk so much hype. What is so great about it? Help me help you. Leonard Fournette destroyed your defense. 21 rushes for 127. If you guys have time, I just want to shout out to Tom, uh, Tom Grassi. He creates these insane sketches, uh, comedic sketches about the NFL. He has a bunch of characters on every single team. And last season, he created a sketch series, a comedic sketch series about um, some NFC and AFC teams. And one of them included the Cowboys. And guess what that guy's name was? What was it was it? Guts. A name from the 90s, and literally the Eagles fan says, yeah, that's Gus, you know? He was the favorite child back in the 90s, but now he's just a loudmouth. <laughs> or something along the lines of, I mean, if you guys have time, uh, give all the laurels to Tom Grassi. Like, give him all the views and uh, subscribers, because that man deserves it. Anyways, continue. Yeah. I mean, that's all I can say. That's all I can say about this sorry team that is the Dallas Cowboys right now. You want to call yourselves America's team? More like America's garbage can right now. And with, and with Dak Prescott out for like, what, four, four or five weeks, not returning until like, until what Jerry Jones quotes, game five or game six, uh, I, I, I see your future to be very, very bleak. The only shining light is your defense. And Micah Parsons is a stud. Don't get me wrong. Two tackle, two sacks on Brady, hella impressive. But he ain't buying it. I ain't buying all that hype. And I want to quote a Stephen A. Smith. And Anant, you can join with me. Because you know what happens with the Cowboys when they have all this hype. When they all talk about that all brouhaha. Oh, the Super Bowl. What can go wrong will go wrong. They are an accident waiting Wait to happen. How about them, Cowboys? There you go. <laughs> I think that's the perfect way to finish off the uh, Bunch Minute segment. Now, on to the last segment for today, and that's the NFL Masala Moment. It's going to be a quick, like, two-minute segment, hopefully. Um, we're going to talk about a spectacular play that we each saw, and I'm going to go first. It's going to be not an offensive play, not a defensive play, uh -huh. but a special teams play. Ooh, I wonder what that could be. And it's from the Steelers and the Bungles game. And the Bungles <laughs> really bungled it on this one because oh. Minka Fitzpatrick 
blocked an extra point at the end of regulation to force overtime. Well, almost at the end of regulation. There were still two seconds left. But effectively, end of regulation to force overtime for the Steelers. Otherwise, the Bungles would have won it, and they would have been the Bengals. But Minka Fitzpatrick came in through the guard position uh, on the left side, and then he snuck in, and he forced that incomplete uh that blocked extra point and man were the eagles uh eagles jesus steelers happy so same state. that was my yeah <laughs> same state same state um but yeah that was my masala moment of the week what was yours Zaksha? and steelers just put this one game and i'm gonna quote urinating tree on this one steelers gonna super bowl oh man you should have seen the reaction video on that <laughs> yeah Yes, I saw, I saw the call with the Tom Grassi. <laughs> oh, yes. Feed into that false hope. Yes. But anyways, my Masala moment of the week, it has to be in the very first game. You probably know what I'm going to talk about. Josh Allen stiff-arming Nick Scott, the Rams safety, into the depths of Tartarus. Like, good Lord, what a, what a way to set, what a way to kick off this Bills the the NFL season. I I love to see plays like that, but um but yeah, I think that like I and the and the and the cool thing I want to share with the fans is like the funny is like when I was watching this at my apartment, I was actually calling Anand, like saying like, Oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? What are we, what are we gonna talk about it? And then the minute we see the play, we're like both screaming out of our heads, we're like, Oh my god, what yes. the hell? It yes. was like and I mean you could have scripted better. Like exactly. in the NFL season, and I love that's why I love doing this podcast with you, because we get to experience a moment like this, like exactly. a shot down that. So exactly. So that concludes the NFL Masala moment of the week segment, and that actually concludes the episode for today. So if you guys don't mind, if you guys have any questions, and if you enjoyed and just want to reach out to us, leave us a review at one of the four platforms that we host this podcast on, Spotify, Apple, Google, and Pocket Casts. Leave us a review or hit us up at nflmasala at gmail.com, spelled as nflmasala at gmail.com. And we're going to hit you with our signature outro. Go Pack Go! And fly, Eagles, fly. Take care, everybody.